if the ratings are horrible, I'm sorry, man. You're you're booted. You're gone for for good. You know. So uh, I understand it's a number. It's a numbers game. I'm <laughs> totally aware of that, and uh, I know it's a business. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's the H Dog Pod with your host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 75, the Larry David edition of the special milestone episode of the podcast. Why Larry David? Well, first of all, he's obviously a comedic genius who brought the world Seinfeld and now is the star of Curb Your Enthusiasm. But I cheated a little since he's not 75 years old, but rather one year younger than that. Any excuse, however, to shoehorn in Larry David's name will always be taken. Season 11 premiered last month, and it's been... The show never ceases to amaze me, and I can't get enough of it. However, for episode 75, I should go with the NBA edition with the league celebrating their 75th season. There's been tons of great storylines in the early part of the campaign, so I figured it was a great time to discuss it. There will be curb talk, NBA chatter, and of course... All things NFL in this podcast, plus other wild tangents, I'm sure. Rather than wasting any more time, let's get to my guest. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, welcome back on a recurring guest, Eric Rosales. He's been on this podcast the most of anybody in H-Dog Pod history, episodes 3, 10, 57, and now the milestone 75th episode. We've worked together at TSN and now sportsbettingdime.com, and I had to give the audience what they wanted to bring him back on. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Eric. Oh, man. Happy to be back. Glad to be here. How are you, my friend? Not too shy. Not too shy. Well, usually when I've had you on here in the past, uh, there's been some bad things that have happened. Uh, obviously, the tragically, the, the first time I had you on, Kobe Bryant passed away, which was awful, obviously. And then mm-hmm. the Tiger Woods uh, crash. And then COVID, I believe the last time you were on, that's when that all started. So uh, hopefully we break the trend here of bad things happening this time. Can we, can we, can we agree on, on that this time? Oh, let's make it happy. Let's make it happy. Um, one last one thing, though, before we start, because I've been listening to uh, listen to your stuff. And can we just put this one thing to bed? And I know we've discussed it before, but can we put away this cheering for a Canadian team when your team is out? Nonsense. Thank Anybody you. listening, please, please, if your team is out, please do not give do not ever bring up the topic of, oh, well. X team is here, so let's uh, let's cheer for them because they're the lone Canadian team. It's done. Don't ever do that. And <laughs> yes. the only like, please. And the only way that is even acceptable to be rooting for a team is if you put money on them on a bet. And and it can't be even a happy bet. Like you're cheering for them. It's it's like, oh my god, I hate this team, but you know what? They're gonna win this one. So. Why don't I just make money out of this while I hate them, anyways? Well, what did you, well, you think of? Uh, I remember saying this uh, for on an episode a while back for the Cup final there uh, for Montreal against Tampa Bay. Of course, I was cheering against Montreal. But what did you think of uh, me? I put money on Montreal to win the Stanley Cup because I was like, I don't want them to win. Obviously, I think at that point they were down two nothing in the series, not down o two. You're not down o two. You're down two o. So annoying when people say down o two. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I put money on Montreal in case they had a crazy comeback to win the Cup. Then it sucks as a fan, but at least they made some money. What do you think about uh, basically an, an emotional hedge? I'm all for that because when it comes down to, to making money, you're not going to be using uh, your pillar of like a sports fandom to 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 hedge your bets. You, you're going to make the bet that's best for you. And if it's a chance that you could cash out huge because a team you hate could come back, I'm all for it. 
but I'm not all for it just as a casual fan being like, you know, I'm a Vancouver Canucks fan. So if the Canucks get eliminated, I'm like, oh, you know who's doing really well? Uh, the Oilers. Let's jump on their wagon. Uh, no, let's just stop that. Okay. So I just, I don't know. It got me a little fired up thinking about it, but let's put that one to bed. Say, nice sage words. I, I love that so much because, yes, I've been railing <laughs> on that, obviously, on this podcast for too, too long. It's so frustrating when people, I just don't, uh, yeah, they're just so like uh, brainwashed or something by like, you have to cheer. For, no, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to cheer for anybody or you don't have to hate anybody. Whatever you like, it's fine. But uh, yeah, this, uh, this belief that you have to cheer for a team because of they're Canadian or whatever is just so, 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 so dumb. And I'm glad that you brought it up. <laughs> Great. So off of that cheerful note, we, we can move on. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, uh, I'm sure we'll get to – well, we will get to hoops in a little bit. But first, let's do some NFL talk. Uh, where, where do you want to start? Uh, I, I, let's, let's do this. Uh, how about uh, as a Broncos fan that you are, uh, do you still want Aaron Rodgers on your squad next season or? <laughs> you know what? I have thought about this numerous times over the past little while. I don't know if I – like at first I thought, okay, you know, he's a different dude. This whole thing that just came up, I don't know, man. Like, he brings a circus with him. He is the Cirque du Soleil of quarterbacks in the NFL, man. Like, it is a, a full-on tented performance. So, talent-wise, I mean, obviously, the one of the best in his, of his generation. But, my goodness, what a fiasco this has all been. Yeah, what do you so, think about that? Well, yeah, so obviously he uh, got, uh, had COVID, full disclosure. We're recording this on the Thursday of Week 10 here Uh on November 11th. So uh, any of our talk about things that will happen in the future here, only time will tell uh, whether whether or not it happens or not. But uh, yeah, so he said in, I think it was August, that he was immunized. So everyone thought that he was vaccinated, but he used a different terminology on that one. And of course, it turns out he got COVID-19. And as that turns out for months, he'd been uh, on the sidelines without wearing a mask at all, uh, violating uh, COVID protocols, be it the NFL so like the, the the greatest slap on the the the, the least amount of uh, slap on the wrist in the history of the world. They find him less money. They find Aaron Rodgers less money for repeatedly violating this rule than they did for CD Lamb having his on the Cowboys having his jersey untucked. Crazy. It is unbelievable that that happened, and I cannot like the the, the part that the worst part about it is that after all this comes uh, is revealed, so you start hearing about it. First of all. The interview with uh, on the Pat McAfee show is is unbelievable. It's literally the playbook of like the anti-vaxxer with a, with him even going out and saying I'm not a flat earther anti-vaxxer. Oh boy! Whenever no, you have I'm, to say I'm not an anti-vaxxer flat earther, you're absolutely <laughs> like Kyrie Irving, an anti-vaxxer and a flat earther, a million percent. <laughs> I mean, so that was the first. I was like, okay, this is going. This is wildly off the rails. And then the second part is when, whenever you say I talked to Joe Rogan, oh my God. <laughs> unless unless you're talking about something in the ufc there's or, or uh, maybe eating some gross food on fear factor there's really no reason to be talking to joe rogan like how can so, you uh it, um, obviously aaron Rodgers typically he's a he's a smart guy obviously he's an incredible quarterback and he's a smart guy like uh generally speaking but how could you actually think uttering the phrase that yeah i talked to joe rogan about a science basically how could you not realize that people are going to be, have pitchforks out for you on that one? Because that, and then oh yeah, I, I talked to him. What's what's it called again? The horse horse dewormer or oh, Iver, something like that. Ivermectin. Ivermectin is what it's called. Yeah, oh it's ridiculous. So yeah, that, that's not trust us science, but we're going to trust this. I, I'd love to actually know who the first person was to actually quote unquote discover that this possibly was a good thing. Like, how does one discover that a horse dewormer or wherever the hell it is was actually a good thing? Like, this, this baffles my mind. 
it's it's certainly wild. Um, but you know what it does do, to be totally honest. Like, I totally I, – I, there's one thing I did wish. I wish Jordan Love was awesome. I wish Jordan Love came onto the scene like Aaron Rodgers came onto the scene when he first got his start. Mm-hmm. Because that way, if he was dope, then it's easy for the Packers to like – you know, it's this is literally the exit plan – that they could have, uh, they couldn't have envisioned before, right? Mm-hmm. This guy's kind of like, kind of a little nuts and everything, and like he's good, but now if we got this guy waiting in the wings, we can let him slide through, and, and nobody would even bat an eye now. Like if the if the Packers let him go, if Love was great, it's it's on to a new thing. Don't have to even worry about this headache. But but Love didn't look great against the Chiefs. He actually, I don't know if that was game planning or whatever. He looked brutal. So I, I mean, not brutal. He just didn't. He looked like. A guy getting his first start in the NFL, and against the Chiefs defense like- that had been uh, previously horrendous this season. So it's like if you can only put up, I think it was what six or seven points. I think it was seven points against yeah. the Chiefs defense that had been just gashed all season. Oh boy, yeah, yeah he didn't uh, light up, light the world on fire. And I wish, uh, again, we're recording this on the Thursday before the Seattle plays the Packers. Obviously, selfishly, yeah, I wish the NFL had suspended Aaron Rodgers another week because I'd rather face Jordan Love than Aaron Rodgers. So I have a bit more vested interest to, to wanting Aaron Rodgers to not play on, on the Sunday game. Yeah, I mean, it's also really hard because obviously nobody knows the NFL's disciplinary like rules. Like Nobody knows the rhyme or reason to what they do. But honestly, the real way to ding him and the Packers for what he did, which was basically clear violations every every week – even with the even with the uh, press conference stuff, he basically said, "Yeah, I didn't do that." And then he's quoted like Martin Luther King that you have Oof. to believe in what you stand for. I'm like, what is this guy talking about? Man, like, not the time was, being for. Oh my god, that's so bad. That's just so. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So so yeah, the NFL. I mean, to be totally honest, I think if the NFL said three game suspension, I think that is a huge hit, and that's one that like that would have sent a message like don't mess around here, right? The NFL is the only real COVID discipline they've done is letting teams that violated the protocols and get sick have to play games. And of course, I know this because the Broncos started a, a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback in a real NFL game, which Kendall is crazy. unbelievable, Yeah, right? So that would have been a way, to me anyways, that would have been a way to send a message like, you know what, let's not mess around here. This, this is basically like, let's just get him back on the field you know what? You learned your lesson. We've talked. We had a stern talking to him, and he knows now yeah. to wear a mask. That, like, or if they would have stripped the draft picks from the Green Bay Packers, that also would have worked. You know, like you know, a second round pick or whatever it might have been. That also would have sent a clear message. Three hundred thousand dollars for their organization. They don't care at all in any way. That's a penny to them. Uh, if pennies were oh, even God. still around, you know, uh, it, it's just that's a drop in the bucket for them. They they don't care about that at all. I think that you're right, though. I think if you did a combination of suspension plus draft picks, then you ding the player for trying to do that, and then you ding the franchise for allowing him to do that. And that's the message, right? After that, then other teams know not to mess around. So other players who are walking around thinking that they got through it, I mean, just know that this is the thing that can happen. So you're bringing, you're taking away your own paychecks, and you're also hurting your team in the process. But, if if that was a if that was a quarterback yeah. like a like a Sam Darnold or Teddy Bridgewater like a you know run of the mill decent but not great starting quarterback I'm sure they would have been dinged more but because it's the Packers and Aaron Rodgers they go so easily on on him uh, nothing at all and actually I saw a tweet it was something along the lines of like he did this violation every single week so it's essentially like say someone robs a bank every week for like eight straight weeks you're gonna ding them for the eight different times they robbed the bank 
basically, right? But instead of this, it's like, oh, no, it's nothing at all. But no, he did the same thing eight, nine times over. Like, that's that's horrendous. And oh, I just wish that, yeah. Like I said, I have a bit of a vested interest. I wish that he wasn't playing uh, against the Seattle Seahawks because Seattle desperately uh, needs a win. Yeah, and also the other the the last part of this is just don't listen to the Twitter conversation on this because there are Aaron Rodgers apologists and Packers apologists, and it is actually mind-numbing to read some of the things that they're saying in defense of him, like like stuff like his teammates knew who was he lying to, <laughs> and you know people who will uh, reply back with the actual press conference transcript. It's like, are you vaccinated? Yes, I'm immunized. And then people are like, he said he's immunized. He didn't say he's vaccinated. They're like, then they come back with a even uh, more magnified response. It's like, are you vaccinated? And then it's more magnified. Yes. <laughs> so dumb. It's like, yeah, well, obviously his competitors wouldn't have known uh, that he wasn't vaccinated. So at the end of the games, of course, they always shake hands and stuff. Yeah. Like there's just repeated potential things that, you know, imagine he had done that and, you know, gave it to a different quarterback and all of a sudden that whole team, just like you said, the Broncos weren't able to uh, start a quarterback, la- uh, all their quarterbacks last year because of that. Like all of a sudden it goes to another team. Like it could, it could have been wildfire. It looks like they mostly skated on that one, but mm-hmm. God, yeah, just completely uh, kowtowing to Aaron Rodgers on that one. And like I said, I always knew, like I, I was 0% surprised when this story came out about him. Like I didn't, I, I was in no way, shape, or form surprised that Aaron Rodgers would be the type of guy to be, to be like this. Oh, man. I, I mean, I really thought he was like one of the good dudes and stuff. I mean, I, I also cheered for him when he when he was hosting Jeopardy. I was like, this guy's great. And then just to hear him kind of like go on that show and talk about it. And even his like, even going back on the show and doing his kind of half apology, he's oh. like, oh, I'll take ownership of this because uh, I may have misled some people. Like, I'm sorry. Basically, the, the non-apology apology. Like, I'm sorry if you yeah. felt misled. No, 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 that's not weird. You're not, a, you're not, a, you're, that's not an apology. I hate when people have, have those apologies, right? I'm sorry if you were offended, like putting the onus yeah. on the other person, good word, on the other person. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate, oh, it's just, oh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I don't think he'll be uh, hosting Jeopardy anytime soon. Uh, that is for sure. Uh, and I met, I touched on uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Your Broncos are not doing too, too bad in terms of five and four, if I'm not mistaken, in the standings. Uh, what have you thought about Bridgewater this year and, uh, or would you, or would you rather Drew uh, Drew Locke be uh, starting the starting quarterback for the Broncos? I think we've said we've talked about this before. I'm, I'm like, let's put Drew Locke in there. Let's just see what he can do. Um, he just has to play because you're gonna have to make a decision on him shortly. Uh, it's hard for me because I it's hard to watch uh, the Broncos these days. So I'm more of like an apathetic fan watching them and just seeing them struggle. It's like even when they're on like. And they're they're on primetime or in one of the games. It's really hard to watch them. And part of the reason is because um, watching Bridgewater play, I, I mean, he's actually been decent this year. And he's actually thrown the ball down the field a little bit. But when they when they struggle, like when they're behind and they have to, like, pass to get back into the game, like watching Bridgewater throw, like, four-yard outs on, it's just, it's torture. I, I would um, actually compare it to, like, watching um, – the Steelers right now with Ben Roethlisberger. If you're like third and eleven for the Steelers, the the play that they have is the dump down to the running back at like at at the line of scrimmage or one yard behind. It's brutal. And then they're supposed to go and run and get eleven yards. So that's the extreme version of it. So, um, but of course, that being said, then they go out and they look great against the uh, against the Cowboys and punish them. And they also dealt uh, Von Miller. And you know, it might have been time. Because I didn't think they were going anywhere, but you know, to be hanging tough, second, five and second, four, and third round picks for Von Miller—that's actually a pretty good haul, I would say. 
that is a really good haul. And getting second and third round picks is basically it's it's first when people say first round talent, I think it's like if you get some if you get draft picks, you could have a first round pick. But I mean, what's the difference now between a first rounder and a second rounder besides contract? Talent wise, there's so much talent across the board. Like if you get anything in the first three rounds, that's a steal. Um, most of the new, most of these dumping contracts or trades, they're usually talking what sixth, conditional sixth, or, ten, uh, or a seventh, uh, depending on how you do. It could move up to a sixth. So, I mean, it's a really good steal, and uh, pretty happy for them. I mean, it's tough though. They're in they're in one of the divisions where everybody's above 500. I think the uh, the AFC North is the other one. I mean, it's tough to climb out of this. It's a it's a tough place right now. It's tough sledding right now in the AFC West. So. Yeah, well, uh, that's what I was saying about some people, my buddies of mine. There's certain teams that, like, I don't care what the record is. I remember years ago, I think, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I think the Packers were four and six, I think it was, and they said, oh, they're done. They won six in a row to make the playoffs. There's certain teams that, like, I don't care what the record is. I'm like, no, until they are dead in the water, I will never believe it. The, the Steelers with Roethlisberger, Rodgers and the Packers. Seattle, like, everyone's, oh, they're done, three and five. They're a half game back to the wild card. Like uh, the, the mm-hmm. fact that like that I will especially if Russell Wilson's playing if, if he's not then that's a different story altogether but mm-hmm. like I, that, I'm never gonna count them out until the end especially with they have a few tough games but then they have a bunch of easy games so it's like there's those franchises I will never uh, you know say they're absolutely toast or whatever so I'm hopeful because in the AFC like so many teams are above 500 as you mentioned in the NFC it's so top heavy and then everyone else from like six on is like really really trash so I'm hopeful mm-hmm. Seattle will get in the playoffs there but. Yeah. Well, yeah, that extra game is actually in Seattle's favor now. Um, having the extra game on the schedule, I think, because they've had a rough, a rough go. Like, and also losing Wilson and oh my God, I know that you guys touched on the Geno Smith stuff last time out, but I mean, there is no pain like <laughs> having Geno Smith as your starting quarterback in fantasy. It is, <laughs> and hearing the broadcast go, that's eleven straight run plays for Pete Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> well, then Geno Smith was amazing. He lit, lit the world on fire against the Jaguars. He had the most completions to start a game this season. I know it's the Jaguars, obviously, but yeah. he had the first fourteen completions of the game and like a couple of great touchdown passes. It's like I understand, obviously, they're not as good as the Saints, but. And that's why the NFL is so crazy, though. Like they dismantled the Jaguars, who had had a, a win the week before, or the uh, the game before. They dismantled mm-hmm. them, like crushed them, and then the and then the Bills lose to the Jaguars the next week. It makes no sense how Jacksonville all of a sudden beats what everyone was thinking was certainly in the conversation anyway for best team in the in the NFL. So the conclusion from that is the Seahawks are the greatest team of all time. I think. <laughs> you know, I saw that. Um, I looked at my phone. I wasn't. I wasn't home watching games on Sunday, and uh, I looked at my phone to see the score of the Bills game, and it said nine six uh, Jacksonville. And I thought, holy crap! It's like already four thirty. Was there like a lightning storm? Is this game delayed? <laughs> I couldn't believe that they had only nine points, or the Bills only put up six points. Um, it's unfa- Can't believe that that happened. So, uh, yeah, you're right. The NFL is pretty wild. So. So, so weird. Um, you know, before we go, I know you wanted to talk about one thing, but I was going to just say, uh, if you're a Jets fan, mm-hmm. are you concerned right now that both Mike White and Josh Johnson have control of this offense and have made it look good, uh, and Zach Wilson hasn't? Yeah, that certainly is weird. Like Mike White, uh, for five quarters there, was uh, unbelievable. Like, he knocked me out of my survivor pool with the Bengals. Thanks a lot, Mike White. And then, yeah, and then Josh Johnson, who I love, by the way. I love that he was in the league for, like, four years, and then was out of the league for like five years, comes back for like a, a year or two or whatever, then he's gone for a little while again, went to the XFL, went to the AAF, gone a couple of years again, steps in as like a 35-year-old, basically hasn't uh, started a game or played in a game in forever in the NFL, 
And yeah, like you said, he was really, really good in the game. It's like I just love I love Josh Johnson. His career arc is so so bizarre. I mean, it's wild. It's wild how there's so many other QBs that are just itching to get in the game, and Josh Johnson just kind of flies in after five year. Like name one quarterback that's taken a five year hiatus and then he comes back. That well, would literally be like that's almost right your. Now, right? Well, I was just gonna mention him. That's almost like your your anyone who's like, oh, you couldn't have a quarterback in after five years, blah blah blah. That's pretty much the almost the prime example of well, you probably could have a quarterback come in after all that time. So. <laughs> Super weird, 100%. but yeah, to answer your it question, me because, yikes, the Jets. <laughs> yeah, no, totally yikes. It's scary to me because, like, at least with Mike White, nobody knew who he was. You know, he's a young guy, and here he is. You know, he may have some talent, right? So, so that's, like, one thing. But then you throw in a journeyman who's, you know, had some NFL experience, but he hasn't really played a game. And obviously it was garbage time and whatever, but to come in and still move the ball down the field, no matter what, if it was a blowout or not, uh, so you basically have both ends of the spectrum here. You've got a guy who hasn't played uh, and a guy with like, you know, potentially uh, a young upstart talent, both being able to command this offense. And then you have your number one, your number one pick who really has shown like maybe one flash during the year. It's like, it's so Jets though, right? Like it's so, so Jets that they're, they're one guy that they want to just take the reins and be the man is watching, is on the sidelines watching two other guys really take command of an offense like it's, and uh, he's had all the reps for so that's like yeah, yeah that's when you wonder like why are some franchises the way they are that's just the jets being the jets basically on that one yeah <laughs> uh and you mentioned uh journeyman quarterbacks there and uh actually I, I that brings up a point i wanted to ask you uh a, a fun game i'm going to put you on the spot here so since Please. peyton manning retired from the denver broncos can you oh, name God. the 10 different quarterbacks that have started games to the denver broncos uh since his uh, retirement Oh my God! There's ten. Okay, there's here we go. Ten. Yep. Uh, Brock Os- Osweiler, uh, Trevor Simeon. Um, yep. um, what's his What's his face? Um, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, obviously. Uh, who was there last year? Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Kendall Hinton. Oh, that's He's right. Sorry, one. I guess I guess eleven quarterbacks. My bad oh. on that one. Yeah, I was thinking, but quarterback, <laughs> quarterbacks. You're right, though. Yes, that's eleven quarterbacks. Yes, Kendall Hinton. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else was. Oh my god, I cannot believe it. This is what I'm saying, man. It's been a blur for me. Um, oh, on the spot, who else do we have here? Who else has been super brutal watching them play? Uh, do you want oh me? Oh my god. Do you want me to name yeah, them? Yeah, please, or? please put me out of my misery. <laughs> well, there's one actually. I, when I was doing this myself, uh, I'd forgotten a couple, and I was like, "Oh, how did I forget Paxton Lynch, their first round pick?" Oh, of, of course. course, Paxton Lynch. So, what a letdown. Yeah, big time. Uh, well, that's the that's the exact argument of you can't always find a great quarterback in the first round of the draft. They <laughs> they got him thinking he was going to be amazing out of the league in like three years or whatever. So, uh, oh. Jeff Driscoll, Brett okay. Rippin, Brett Rippin, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Case Keenum. That's the other one. That oh, Case Keenum. That was the other guy I was trying to think of. And Brandon Allen. Were the, Brandon uh, Allen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is he now with the is he now with the Washington football team? Is that what uh, I think Allen? he might be on no, no, you're thinking of uh, Kyle Allen. He used to be uh the uh, in Carolina as well. Now Brandon Allen mm. might actually be in the Bengals. I'm gonna do a quick search here uh and see. But yeah, speaking of uh, those quarterbacks, though, uh, obviously Cam Newton, just as we're recording this, actually just got signed by the Carolina Panthers. So uh, and he wasn't able to play in lieu of all these other, uh, you know, retreads or like, you know, these quarterbacks that, you know, ailing veterans or who weren't very good. So he finally signed with Carolina. Uh, Obviously, you know him well because he lost to the Broncos in that Super Bowl when Von Miller was amazing. 
mm-hmm. what are your thoughts of uh, Cam Newton signing in Carolina? Well, first of all, I'm happy that he signed. I mean, you can't tell me that he's not one of the best 64 quarterbacks on the planet, right? Like he's just he should be playing somewhere. That he hasn't was um, was kind of ridiculous. I was just actually going through that when I saw it, and I thought of. I'm glad he's going, you know, it's cool to go back to the Panthers. It's a good story. And, um, and actually I think he can really help the team, you know? And I think that that's because they have some good players and some good pieces. He's not the Superman guy anymore, but you put a good team around him with some good players. I mean, he can manage, he's, he's an above average, like I would put him above uh, a game manager. So he can really make some plays still just, he can't, you can't expect him to go, you know, throw for 450 yards and four touchdowns in a game and, or, or, you know, run for 85 yards and two touchdowns. Like, maybe those days are over, but he can still contribute at a high level. And I was looking at some of the teams that uh, maybe should have taken a flyer on him this year. And um, so I think New Orleans, I don't know why they're trusting the Trevor Simeon, Taysom, Taysom Hill uh, matchup. They're five and three, and I swear, dropping him in there would just be a huge coup, I thought. Um, so that was yeah. a miss, I think. I think that the Seahawks could have taken him um, it would have been a three-game flyer until Wilson came back, but I think he could have stepped in and put in high-level play to kind of bridge them. So I think they could have gone potentially two and one during right. that time. It just is like uh, he still had legs last year with New England. Like he was able to run for quite a few touchdowns. And he was really good, but it's just his his arm has fallen off. So I guess they figured, yeah. you know, Geno Smith obviously not a, uh, an outstanding quarterback by any stretch, but he'd been in the system for three years, or at least in the team for three years. So I guess they figured, you know, by the time Newton gets up to speed. Is it even really worth like? Because I'm sure you wouldn't have been able to play the first game anyway. So then, mm-hmm. is he even mm-hmm. worth it? Like, um, so um, I can understand why. Unless Wilson was out for like eight weeks, then I could definitely yeah. see why they would have signed Cam Newton in, in that scenario. Makes sense. No, for sure. Um, the other team, I think, uh, the Houston Texans. Now I know they're a joke and and all that stuff, but they signed a whole bunch of different veteran players this year to kind of bridge the year so they signed a bunch of vets to like one-year deals i know mark ingram was there he also recently got traded back to the saints um they had some good receivers um you know decent decent plug-and-play players i'm not saying that he would have been great but i think with him under center it kind of fit the whole mold like it could have been why not take a flyer on a a former mvp uh, as a reclamation project could they be better than one and eight right now i'd probably say yes um so that one washington football team Definitely could have used him. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't even – has he been back yet? He's been no, injured. No, uh, I think I saw a report recently again that he's uh, out for a little while longer still, uh, I think, unfortunately. I hope this is not the way it ends, his, his career. It's been such a brilliantly yeah. up-and-down career. I would hate for it to end this way with him. Yeah, and I love that. I mean, I, I feel bad for him. Um, but for Washington, to, to just sit there and be like, okay, we've lost this guy that we signed and everything. Um, how do we continue going? They could have brought him in. Now they're two and six. Now, obviously, it didn't make sense. But those are teams that could have all taken a flyer on Cam Newton. And I think they all would have been. I mean, if I'm New Orleans right now, I'm kicking myself because I don't think Hill is the answer. And I trust me, I, I mentioned there's a reason why I mentioned Trevor Simeon as one of the post uh, Peyton Manning quarterbacks because he was brutal watching him, like literally turned me off of it. And he was an upgrade from Paxton Lynch. Um, so New Orleans really missed it on that one. I think that. You know, Carolina's probably, I mean, they're probably out of it now, too. They're four and five. They're in a tough division. That being said, though, Cam comes in. Uh, I, obviously, he's going to have to, it's, it's a totally new system, but can they reel off, you know, can they go potentially go six and one in their last? I don't know what their schedule is, but 
Yeah, I think they might have a chance at, at getting a, a wild card or something in the, in the mix. Like you said, the NFC is super top heavy. So just a couple of teams need to catch fire and they may be able to uh, to make their way in there. I think it's a good move. I think uh, I'm just just going to check here. I think uh, as of this recording, that Carolina still holds one of the wild card spots. Actually, in the oh, so they're eighth. So they're they're tied with the uh, or they're half a game back of the Falcons. The Falcons have the seventh and final spot at four and four as of this recording. So Carolina is certainly mm-hmm. in that mix of uh, you know a bunch of teams there that are three and five, three and six that certainly could get in. Uh, but isn't that almost the fact that Ron Rivera had Cam Newton for all those years in Carolina, and now he's the uh, Washington football coach, uh, head coach. Uh, he didn't want him. Um, I think that's almost uh, the most damning indictment of, of uh, Cam Newton that maybe he isn't any good because he could have got him for peanuts pretty much probably. And, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, Kyle Allen is with Washington still, and Brandon Allen, uh, to answer that question, is on uh, Cincinnati. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I almost feel like that's – for Cam Newton to not, to not be signed by Washington, I think it almost uh, – is a pretty good indication that maybe uh, teams don't view him so well, obviously they haven't viewed him so so good lately. Yeah, and I think that okay, so obviously part of it is his uh, arm strength. He's been he had his uh, off season uh, he had shoulder surgery I think two years ago that cost him a year, and um, and he's been he's been struggling with it since, and he hasn't really proven that he can consistently throw the ball down the field. Um, I wrote a, an article about this I think in about week three or week four about where he might end up. One of the teams I thought this should all like one of the teams I didn't list there, but maybe should have thought about taking a flyer on them. And I know that this sounds dumb, but uh, two teams in the in the AFC, the Dolphins probably could have, because just as insurance for Tua, and now they're two and seven. Um, not again, not saying that he's going to turn everything around, but just a good thing to have there. Mm-hmm. And also, I really thought that, like I really think that if you went to the Steelers, obviously they're not going to replace him with Ben Roethlisberger. But if he gets hurt there is actually a heady quarterback that can step in into this team that actually has real weapons and stuff. So there's just, there's so many different factors of where he could have gone and not gone. The fact that NFL teams sit on this and they just throw out some retreads to, to kind of carry the, carry the ship while, while some of their guys are out, it's mind boggling to me. You know, like if I'm a, if I'm a GM and I have like, I have my starting quarterback and I have a backup who's whatever, and he gets hurt. I'm like looking at lists. I'm like, all right, who can we bring in right now? Right. Like and, and it shouldn't be like practice squad guys if there's a former MVP there from 2015. You know what I mean? I, so. I guess it's almost like the NFL teams view it as like if your starting quarterback goes out and you have to use a backup anyway. I mean, they shouldn't be viewing it this way, but I, I think they almost some of them, some GMs are almost like, well, we're screwed anyway. So what's the point like of, of the, of the uh, distraction distraction? Like, you know, they, they shouldn't yeah. be doing that. Obviously, you should have a, a, a decent backup plan just in case that does happen. But it does seem that's uh, almost the way they operate. Uh one final thing about the NFL before we uh, switch to the NBA here. Uh, mm. Another player who, as again, as of the signing, uh, as of this recording, hasn't been signed. Odell Beckham Jr. was uh, uh, cut by the uh, Browns, put on waivers. No one claimed him. Uh, who do you think he's going to go to, Odell Beckham? Uh, there's a team that I will mention that I don't believe has had any play at all in the in the national media. Oh, I think it would look really, really good with the Los Angeles Rams. Oh my God! I literally was gonna say the exact same thing um, because I think Justin Herbert wants to go deep. I think he wants big play guys. I think that it would be a steal if they got him. A steal. So well, here's the one thing that bothers me about this: Cleveland's a good like. I like the franchise now. Like I, I like how they turned it around. I like how they have this power running game. But I just don't do not know for the life of me how you cannot get this guy involved. I just don't know. Like I just how is it that you're not throwing at least three slants a quarter to him to let him do work just it's mind-boggling to me so 
Um, for them, it's a big miss, I think, for three years to not incorporate him and make him just the star player that he should be. There are teams that would be begging for him right now. I think the Rams would be great. I think he would be dynamite with KC. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, it's, that would be like a, a bounty of weapons. But I think Green Bay would be amazing with them. And I think if they were able to add him to, like, say, Minnesota with Thielen and Justin Jefferson, like, Ooh, I how do that. Stop them That'd be pretty there? interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in, in so, San Diego, or sorry, uh, Los Angeles, I was going to say San Diego there. He'd be out. Yeah, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Odell Beckham Jr. with Justin Herbert. Uh, and obviously, Austin Eckler's a really good running back. Uh, that would be pretty, pretty damn scary of an offense. I think that also shifts the power. I think that if they did get him, I think that they actually probably climb to, I mean, their run defense is horrendous, like the Chiefs. Can anybody was running on them, but I think it might swing the balance of power, and they might actually continue to lead the West. Like I still think the Chiefs are coming up and are going to take them eventually, but that's the kind of move that can kind of keep you um, on top and can keep you uh, lead you to a division title. So, yeah, that was exactly what I was thinking. Good call on that one. That's, man. that's funny. We didn't obviously we didn't talk about that beforehand. I thought I was going to like surprise you with that moment because, I, like I said, I haven't heard any. I don't know. Maybe they've already said we, we have no interest. All that stuff. I'm not sure to be honest, mm-hmm. but. It just mm-hmm. seemed like that'd be a, an ideal fit. And obviously, yeah, yeah. just talk about him going to Seattle maybe as well. Of course, I would love him with uh, Lockett and DK Metcalf. That'd be pretty cool. Oh. And then now yeah. their second-round pick, D. Eskridge, is finally back from a major concussion. So hopefully that'd be pretty cool to have those weapons for Russ as well. But if they get him, I'd be really happy. If they don't, I won't be heartbroken. I'll say that. Do you know what's crazy, though? Why uh, The thing that gets me is that it would seem like such a Rams move to get him, right? Yeah. Like the, I, maybe they don't the, have the cap space, or, per, or at least to yeah. claim them anyway. But yeah, they could. Oh my god, let's hope not. Oh my god, they would do don't so tell many me that. gymnastics. Like that's the one thing that I, I kind of appreciate about the Rams. I mean, obviously they're they're doing great this year, but um, they just go after players, and they they I don't know how they do it. I don't know what cap gymnastics they have. Like somebody's like bending the numbers like a pretzel. But I feel like if there's one team that could totally do that, it would be them. And my god, that would be terrifying. Uh, I gotta give them props. I, I love the fact that like uh, they're definitely doing things uniquely and different in terms of dr- trading away all their first round picks and like mm-hmm. obviously you hope those players end up developing into a star player, but that's a total lottery ticket in the NFL that they're like you know I think it's gonna be like seven or eight years where they won't have had a first round pick unless of course they trade back in the in the first round or something. But I love mm-hmm. the fact that yeah, let's get proven awesome players like Von Taylor. <laughs> Um, I think you meant to say Von Miller, Hound Dog. Von Taylor is a golfer on the PGA Tour. Or um, uh, Jalen Ramsey. You know, let, let's go for it. Like, let's get the let's get the stud player you know for sure, or at least you hope anyway. Seattle was thinking that with Jamal Adams. Unfortunately, he hasn't been quite the guy they were hoping they were going to get from the Jets. He's been better the last few weeks. But mm-hmm. uh, if if you think anyway that, that that player is a stud, go for it. Trade two first-round picks. Yeah, of course, you'd rather have those, but... If you're picking at the bottom of the first round anyway, especially with Seattle's yeah. horrible tra- track record lately with uh, high draft picks, it's been abysmal. Uh, yeah, go for it. And so I do respect the Rams for that. No question about it. Yeah, and I, I think that it's it's one of those things, though, too. The cool thing about the Rams is that they're in perpetual win-now mode. So that's cool. I mean, I think that if you're in perpetual win-now mode, you don't worry about your draft picks. You kick those down the can- like, you know, kick them down the line later. There's going to be a reckoning, obviously, because you just – once the cover gets bare and, and your players get old and you still don't have draft picks until like, I don't know, 2025 or whatever. Yeah. You're going to feel it. Right. But in the moment, this is what you try to do. Right. And this is sort of the best way to compete for a title and they're doing it. So um, kudos to them. 
and uh, yeah, like please don't take OB, OBJ, man. That'd be terrifying. Oh yeah, no, he's uh, obviously if you're getting the, the OBJ anyway, it's at least like close to the level he was with the Giants. Uh, obviously, very very scary for any offense to add him uh, to their team. Uh, let's uh, let's switch uh, to the NBA here for uh, talk a little bit uh, a little basketball. Uh, Let's do it. How, so the Raptors obviously drafted uh, Scotty Barnes fourth overall, and I remember a lot of my uh, Raptors buddies were very, very upset. They didn't uh, they, they they drafted him. They thought they shouldn't have, but he's looked really, really good so far. Uh, how do you think the the Raptors youngsters are looking so far in the season? I believe that this as of this recording, they're six and six. They are six and six. Um, I was I was lucky enough to check them out against the Nets, and um, you know Kevin Durant heaped some high praise on him for just being twenty years old. He's a uh, He's everything they scouted him to be, and he's really everything that they they projected him to be, like a do-everything forward that can go anywhere from playing center to uh, guarding all five positions. And um, they run him uh, on offense at the top of the key and kind of let him dictate and stuff. He's just a really good player. Uh, I'm happy to announce that when I did the uh, Rookie of the Year uh, odds, I picked him as my my dark horse, even though I continued with – Cade Cunningham is my betting pick, but I thought if you are going to sprinkle someone on the side, it's got to be him because he's going to step into this into an offense where the thing with the Raptors is, and this will always be the case until they make a deal, they just there are a bunch of good players that are just missing a plug and play superstar to basically be a title contender, and this is what you're seeing. This is what this is why they're six and six. They're they're really strong. Um, some nights, some nights when when they're clicking and they're, um, you know, passing the ball really well, defending really well, and shooting really well, they can compete with anybody. But when they get down to these games where, uh, like for example, the Nets, they competed hard against the Nets, but the Nets can throw out, you know, Kevin Durant and James Harden, and basically it just overwhelms them, and they can't, they they don't have the, I guess the the star that can go and get buckets for them in the crunch, and that's the that's sort of the issue, um, but. To have Barnes, I mean, it's a great steal. And I, I, th- I thought also they were going to take Jalen Suggs, but he's been great. And I think they're going to be a good team going forward. Again, just finding that plug-and-play superstar, if they have him, um, I think they'd be good. Let me also note that that plug-and-play superstar is not Ben Simmons. So mm. do not, <laughs> yeah. whatever you do, do not mortgage the farm for uh, Ben Simmons. Uh, prior to um, Simmons returning back to the Sixers and, and undergoing uh, mental health, treatment or whatever there were rumors that uh that philadelphia was going to offer him to toronto and they wanted the package back included fred van vliet uh og ananobi and pascal siakam <laughs> it's like uh, and a first round pick no and a first you. round pick i remember thinking that and i'm being like who's trying to make the deal right now man like are you crazy so um no they've got a good core of players um they do have enough assets to make the move for a real star I'm not sure who that is, but um, been pretty good, pretty cool watching them. And, and Barnes is just a good kid, man. And he works really hard and fun to watch. So, of course, you got you a good those. one, Toronto fans. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you wrote about those uh, odds for sportsbettingdime.com. Uh, what uh, what were his odds? Do you remember what his odds were as the dark horse? Uh, sort of obviously, Cade Cunningham. I'm sure it was number one, considering he was the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was odds like maybe like like four, maybe fifteen to one or something like that or whatever. I, I'm always I think, a fan. I think of, he was. I believe he was in the uh, in the. I don't remember now, but it was it was Cunningham and Green, which were head and shoulders above the rest. But Barnes was in that next tier, anywhere I believe from plus eight fifty to plus one thousand odds. So I think that that was. Uh, so even though 
even though the public didn't like it, even um, the betting public still still was down with it um, of, of kind of mentioning him because I think there's just opportunities in that system. You know, like I think the one thing that the Raptors envisioned was this super long athletic defensive group. And I think they have it with like Siakam, Ananobi and Barnes kind of playing those wing spots and just kind of wreaking havoc. They're getting in the passing lanes a lot and stuff. And uh, I think that's sort of their theme when they even uh, drafted the, uh, the Rexdale kid. Delano Blanton. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's really long too, man. And so they're kind of putting together an identity of how they want to play and, and sort of the players that they want. But uh, yeah, no, I think that uh, for me right now, I think I still think Cunningham, he's got to, I mean, he's only played, I think he's into his fifth game now. So he's got to get more games in because he was, uh, he didn't even play in the preseason because he had an ankle injury. But I just think that he's such a good talent that it's hard to, he'll eventually overtake, um, all these players because of his ability to score and set up players. So that's my pick for now, but we'll see. Barnes is a really good pick though. I'd sprinkle in on him for sure. Yeah. Especially because obviously Cunningham being the first overall pick, there's always going to be that built in initial thought of like, well, he's you know probably the rookie of the year just because he was the first overall pick. So it's hard to get that sort of people's mindsets away from that, you know, like uh, unless mm-hmm. of course, you know, if it's close anyway, it's going to probably go to Cunningham on that one. It's also one of those uh, continued success versus um, development. So if Kate Cunningham averages, turns out to average 25 points a game, but his team only wins 25 games or 22 games, is he the rookie of the year? Whereas Barnes, I think he has the potential to, to average about, you know, 17 points, eight rebounds, six assists, two steals, um, you know, basically filling a stat sheet on a team that's probably going to finish likely at about 500 or better and contend for a playoff spot. So is he the guy versus the stats. So it's one of those classic conversations and, and we'll see how it plays out as the season goes along, but I'd love to uh, catch up with you like later on in the year and see where this develops because right now it's Barnes, but I feel Cunningham is going to come on um, as he gets more, more reps and more comfortable in the NBA. Well, if you're lucky, you, uh, you'll be back on this guest, but you know, who knows, maybe the, maybe the viewer <laughs> listeners will be like, you know what? I've had enough. I'm sick of this guy. So <laughs> if the ratings are horrible, I'm sorry, man, you're, you're booted. You're gone for, for good. You know? So uh, I understand it's a number, it's a numbers game. I'm uh, totally aware of that. And uh, I know it's a business. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, no, uh, obviously I touched on, and we touched on Ben Simmons there, uh, Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving. What, uh, where, how do you think, uh, that those situations are going to shake out? Well, the one thing that really bothered, like the Ben Simmons one, it's, it's rough because I just, I, there's just so much stuff surrounding him. He's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers of the NBA right now, you know, like it's just a circus. So, he says he wants to, you know, he wants to demand a trade and he wants out and then he shows up um, because he, I mean, the true reason is probably because he didn't want to start getting fined anymore. I think he was up into the millions of, of fines for, for missing activities. And then he tells the team he doesn't want to, uh, he's not like ready to play. So they offer him treatment. And I don't know if you heard the latest um, on that, but he basically was refusing to meet with um, Sixers team doctors on this or share his status of these treatments that he was getting through the uh, NBA Players Association. So as they were about to find him again, as was their only recourse because he wasn't cooperating with the treatment plan, then he he changed course and said, okay, I'm going to reveal or I'm going to share all my my stuff with you guys. So it's just like this. Obviously – you know, we're treading in this this weird territory because, um, you know, they have to be empathetic to what he's going through. If if um, you know, the mental health aspect is playing a huge role, like you know, like they're saying it is, right? And and I get that, but when it's tied to this sort of thing of um, 
where money has kind of been the factor in all of these decisions lately, it's really hard. And it's like, it's sort of one of those things that's really tough because the Sixers, they actually did, they came out of the gate like gangbusters, right? They're eight and two. And uh, they were tied for first in the East before Embiid got COVID and some of the other teams got COVID. And now they've lost two in a row as they play the Raptors tonight. So, like, it's hard enough that this team has lost, like, I think they had three or four players on COVID. Um, Seth Curry hurt his foot. And even then, that's like, that's just the basketball aspect of it. And they've got this huge cloud of Ben Simmons stuff that just kind of just hangs around the periphery and becomes a topic whenever, you know, things go bad or uh, a development happens, right? So just unfortunate. I, I don't know really what to do in that situation. As for the Kyrie one, I will give him one thing is that it seems like he's set to dig in because I think for me, the worst thing would have been if Kyrie just was like, yeah, I got the vaccine because I wanted to join my teammates and play again. Right. So whether, whether or, you agree or if with he lied it, it or if he lied about getting the vaccine, like uh, someone else <laughs> we were talking about, that would be the most Kyrie thing ever though. Eh? If he's like, I'm back, I'm ready to play. And then someone asks him, are you vaccinated? And he answers. I'm yes. immunized. It would, yeah, I mean, you nice. That would be actually the most Kyrie thing ever. Um, but yeah, like it, at least, at least he's he's hunkered down and he's like, this is how it's going to be. So whether you agree or don't agree with it, I mean, it, if I was, I, I think the biggest thing for me, obviously, is that this is, you know, you're you want to do it because you believe in these things. That's I get it, but you're also accountable to your teammates, right, and your team. So for me, that's that's the biggest one. Is that like you owe you like if if you're a team player then you would hopefully see that you're here because you're playing this game and the goal is to, you know, win a championship and and you're a key part of that. And if you, and if that's what the team goal is, then you would kind of sacrifice to be with the team. And it's not even like a really great, <laughs> it's not really that much of a sacrifice, like getting a jab in the shoulder and stuff. Right. I understand all the other stuff, you know, this is bigger than basketball and, you know, all that stuff, 100%. I just I just don't know what he's doing. Like, to hear what he was saying about why he wasn't doing it um, was about, like, people losing their jobs across the country because they're not getting the vaccine. So I don't see him running a campaign to, to make sure people don't lose their jobs. But, you know, the people that, didn't, that are losing their jobs just didn't because they didn't get the vaccine, right? So I'm not sure what you're trying to accomplish. So that's difficult for me, but... At least he's hunkering in and, and yeah, like, you know, the Nets, they look really bad to start, but, uh, you know, they're just too talented to not find their sea legs. And now you can see them kind of flexing right now. They're, they're really running really well. So, um, yeah, I, I guess we'll just see what happens. If New York City lifts some of that, some of those sanctions, maybe he comes back by then. But if, if he's been this deep into the year, I don't think he's getting the vaccine now, too. Yeah, he's uh, definitely a strange cat. Uh, and over the years, it's not just with the vaccine stuff. But I suppose, like, I got to give him credit, I guess, for in the sense of he at least will say everything that he believes in and whether or not you can, of course, agree or disagree with him. At least he puts it out there. Like, he's not hiding anything, well, at least to my knowledge anyway. He's not hiding anything, uh, unlike, uh, again, Aaron Rodgers, who uh, did. So, you know, got to give him credit for that, I guess. In that way, that's where I feel bad is that when he did it, I feel like, um, you know, everybody piled on him and stuff. And, and, you know, even, you know, like I said, I as a teammate, I would be choked if my teammate did that because it's, to me it doesn't seem like a big deal. But but like how Aaron Rodgers did this and like half the world 
is defending what he's doing. And half the world is like cool with him spewing nonsense on a show talking about like how like Johnson and Johnson, uh, uh, the the one because he said he was allergic to that one vaccine, or to the two vaccines, and then Johnson and Johnson you don't want to take because of uh, infertility reasons. Meanwhile, if you actually catch COVID, it actually affects your. It actually leads to more infertility. Like I just, it's so mind boggling that he's able to like do that and walk around with a straight face. Meanwhile, Kyrie Irving can't go into an interview without people just tearing into him with with what he's saying. Right, so it's kind of a ugly double standard i guess is what i what yeah I'm, absolutely and no, uh, i mean i guess obviously uh aaron Rodgers trusted the world-renowned scientist joe rogan on that one so i mean it just shouldn't uh, we all shouldn't we all yeah, could just, you imagine imagine like uh, imagine, imagine uh, sorry to interrupt but imagine like i all of a sudden uh, i became this massive podcaster and i was like you know what i'm gonna be a scientist now basically i'm just gonna tell people uh what's good for them uh with uh, vaccines like it just it just i know there's more nuance to it he's been a superstar for a while joe rogan but it just blows my mind. It does. It's my. It is super mind-boggling, my man. It's crazy. Crazy. And speaking of crazy, uh, decent enough segue. Uh, uh, there's a fight in the NBA a couple nights ago. Uh, t- uh, that was a uh, pretty wild day eh? with uh, Jokic and uh, Markeith Morris. Absolutely. And uh, let me tell you something. The household is torn on this one. On, uh, but not on what happened, but on the reaction. And I actually want to hear your thoughts on this. So if you watch the video, Morris uh, doing what he usually does kind of bullying people around and not giving a, you know, not caring about it. Shoves Jokic. Jokic, full run with his back turned, drills him in the back. It was actually amazing. It was awesome. Um, so I don't have any problem with that. So for me, I think that's one of those intimidation tactics that if you're a star player, you definitely have to stand up to that. So to me, I don't even, that's fine. I'm glad he didn't punch him in the back of the head or, you know, do anything crazy, but to just go and shoulder him, I think is fine. You know, Morris all of a sudden has these neck pains and blah, blah, blah. The one instant, the, if you watch the video, the one part that's interesting to me is that Tyler Hero is the closest one to this, to this melee or fracas, and he doesn't do anything. And to me, I was like, why, why wouldn't you jump in on that one? It's pretty good. I like that. It's pretty good. I, I'm totally down with that. And the the, the, the weird stuff was the uh, Twitter war afterwards because yeah, Marquise's so twin brother, about? Marcus. Yeah, twin brother, Marcus, basically said something like, well, yeah, for sure. And then you hit him when he turns his back to you. And then uh, and then the Jokic brothers created an account. <laughs> basically, we're going back at him being like, you better – I don't know what it was. They, they're like, don't threaten our brother. We're going to, or, or you're going to, I don't know what it was again. I, I can't recall it, but basically it was a Twitter war between the Jokic brothers and the Markeef or the, and the Morris twins. So, um, it, it was hilarious. Was it, were they using burner accounts? I think, and it, didn't it get like pretty dark, uh, their Twitter battle, if, if I'm not mistaken, I remember reading a story on that. Yeah, I was like, Whoa, boy. Well, well, Marcus wrote, Marcus Morris wrote something like, Oh yeah, we'll keep tabs on that for next time or something. And then the Jokic brothers created an account to say that if you if you try something, you wait and see. And it's like wow. so it kind of got got uh, quelled or everything. But you know what? Good for Jokic. You know these bully tactics always go on, and and that's the thing, right? If you get if you get pushed around, I like the fact that he stood up for himself. Um, not to kind of veer off on a wild tangent with the NHL, but. I feel like in the NHL, throwing big hits, if you hit a big uh, star player, but it's a good, clean hit, it basically turns into a fight, right? Oh, every Someone time. on the ice runs runs at them, even if it's like a legit, clean hit, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't like that. I like I think that 
you know, I mean, there's a whole other bunch of different things I don't like about hockey, but, um, but that part of it is like, if you get hit, you get hit. And I remember watching it before, like star players got hit all the time and it wasn't this prevalent that somebody ran and jumped at him and stuff. Right. So yeah, like he, yeah, you just got to stand up to that kind of stuff. And now he knows Morris knows that you can't be messing around with this, with a big man like this and yeah. you're going to get yours. Right. So, so the, but on that point about Tyler Hero not doing anything, mm. he stands there, he looks, and then out of uh, out of the other part of the screen, Bam Adebayo comes running through and gets up in his face. And that's really what you want to do in terms of like protecting your teammate and stuff like that, regardless of what was happening, right? You got to step in and protect your teammate. I'm not saying cause a melee. I'm not saying let's make this the malice of the palace or whatever. I'm just saying regardless of what happens, you got to stand up for your teammates and stuff, right? And so I think Adebayo did it and Hero didn't do it. And that's why, and those are the kinds of things that can cause rifts on a team, right? Uh, definitely 100%. And I, yeah, you're right about the hockey hits. Like a, anytime there is a clean hit, it just immediately has to be this big melee after. It's like, it, w- it wasn't even that, or I always hate the, the fake tough guy, like at the, um, at the, after whistles in the playoffs where yeah. it's like everyone's around the net, they're all like jostling and like, oh, we're like, you know, we're at the end of games. They're all like, oh, we're tough guys. We're going after each other. It's like, ah, oh, just enough. It, it, you said you yeah. had a, a list of things that you didn't like about hockey. Is one of them that people call it ice hockey? Is that one of the things that drives you crazy? <laughs> I think that's one of my top five for sure. God, um, it's so dumb when people call it that. I would say that the one thing that really bothers me about hockey is that, uh, and I don't know how you actually fix it, but I just feel like there's just way too much of, a, of an advantage for third liners and grinders and checking lines to neutralize star players in the playoffs. And it's really frustrating to see. Like, it's almost like um, we praise these grinders way too much. They're like, oh, yeah, he's doing such a great job on. I use the. Um, uh, the Winnipeg-Edmonton series where uh, Connor McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl were basically just, I mean, you know, shadowed the entire thing, yeah. the entire series. And they, they got swept, and just, yep. Yeah and, they got, yeah, and they got swept. And it's hard to, um, like, again, obviously you have a job to do as a defender and stuff, but it's just, it feels like um, once the intensity ratchets up to playoff hockey, it's like star players aren't allowed to be star players anymore. You know what I mean? The game and, definitely uh, changes considerably, no question about that. Yeah, and that's where I think that you – I mean, obviously the intensity is great and everything. and I'm not dissing that, but I just think that um, it that's not how they want it to be settled. You know, in the regular season, everything is geared around offense, right? You touch somebody or you uh, you get too close or you're, you know, um, stick work and stuff. It's power plays and, and goals. When it gets to overtime, it's three on three. You know what I mean? Like it's all geared towards offense settling it. But in the playoffs, it's all geared towards this sort of mucked up game. Like, so teams that are less talented can find ways to muck it up with, um, you know, like still they do, you know, off um, traps in the neutral zone and stuff like that. And then, and then just like the liberties they're able to take on star players. So I don't know how you clean that up or how you make it back to advantage offensive players without just doling out, you know, 15 power plays a game and stuff. But it's just, it's, it's kind of, kind of sucks watching it when you want the stars to kind of come through right right no that, that's a very good point i hadn't thought of it that way uh and obviously i, I actually the last episode we talked about george was on uh george nasios was on and he was ripping the maple leafs for not playing well. well since he was ripping them for not playing well the leafs have been on fire so clearly he should be maybe he should be the next uh, head coach of the uh, toronto maple Leafs because whatever <laughs> he said and the power play's actually been good too so clearly uh, it's working with him 
they, they, they hurt him. He lit a fire under them. Oh, definitely. Uh, before we wrap a bow uh, on the NBA, I, I saw this story come up on my uh, Twitter feed, but I intentionally didn't de- dig de- uh, too deeply on it because I wanted to talk about it on here and, and uh, what your thoughts on it uh, was. I saw something along the lines of Scottie Pippen was sort of throwing shade toward MJ for the uh, Michael Jordan for the Last Dance documentary, calling him condescending all this stuff. Uh, yes. What, what was, uh, that obviously sounded very fascinating to me. Well, this is the thing that you have to know about. I mean, did you watch, were you able to watch the Last Dance documentary? Yep. Yeah, it was really good. Yep. Oh, it was great. Um, but in that doc, Michael Jordan takes some real shots at Scottie Pippen, right? He took shots at Scottie Pippen for um, the last year where he decided to have, I think it was foot or knee surgery. And he held off until the end of training camp, which was going to hurt the Bulls. And Scottie, or sorry, and Michael did not like that. He basically, in so many words, said that he kind of like, was out for himself. And then they talked about contracts and how Scottie Pippen was, I think he was like in the, at the time he was a 63rd highest paid player yeah, in the NBA. Super low contract. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Jordan wasn't so great on that either that he was like, he didn't really stump for him on that one. And then when he's, uh, when Jordan was retired and Scotty, um, when Phil Jackson called that play for Ku coach in the playoffs and Pippen sat out mm-hmm. like, like, Jordan didn't really stump for him there either, right? And so as much as they've been great teammates and stuff, Jordan's always kind of maintained that hierarchy of I'm the man and you're kind of like here, right? So it's just like one of these weird things about how Jordan was. Like I know everybody loves Michael Jordan, whatever. And I and I, I agree. He's one of the greatest, you know, arguably the GOAT, all that stuff. Cool. But if he was modern-day Michael Jordan like right now in the NBA – I guarantee you, like ninety-eight percent of the public would be like, "This guy is a total a-hole, man." Because yeah. he was. Yeah. He was a one hundred percent a-hole, and it was sort of like Scotty just had to kind of live with that sort of stuff, right? And so, of course, after the, like watching when I watched the doc, I was just thinking to myself, "Man, this jerk! He doesn't even like. He doesn't even ride for his for his basically his wingman here." He doesn't say anything. He could have easily said something like, hey, man, let's take care of Scotty. Like, you know, let's figure this out because let's get him paid. They didn't do that. He didn't do anything for that. And he didn't – he couldn't understand why um, Pippen couldn't uh, – wouldn't allow himself to not take the last shot in the game when he's been basically living in his shadow for the past 12 years, you know? It's just like stuff that he doesn't comprehend. So for sure, for Pippen going guns blazing – totally agree like i'm sure he's been waiting to say this for the past like 20 years he's probably wanted to probably wanted to fist fight him it might be a celebrity boxing match one time man. so what exactly did he say like i said i know uh, the the on the twitter headline it said that you know michael jordan was condescending but did he say like, anything like super super ju- juicy in that that he just uh, was ripping him no, or he just, basically the, the the general tone that he was uh not the greatest teammate it was a, it was just a general tone he basically said he was condescending but it's like an excerpt from his book so it's it's basically in in uh, defiance of some of the stuff that happened in the last dance uh i don't remember all of the details of it and i think he did like i'm not sure if he did an interview tour about the book and stuff but basically it's just him defending himself from michael jordan being able to like you know michael jordan says stuff and people are just like oh yeah what's the problem with scotty pippen why is he such a baby blah 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 right <laughs> it's like man that's kind of mean right like the guy's like whether Jordan thinks he's better than him or not, the like the fact is that Michael Jordan never won a title without Scottie Pippen, and Scottie never won without Mike either. But that's the fact, right? So, um, just he just never 
Jordan's personality was never to cede anything to anyone around him, even his best teammate. It was never to like give him any sort of care or whatever compassion, right? So, meanwhile, he's totally like, "Oh, Phil, we gotta let uh, Dennis Rodman do his thing, so let's let him go away for a while and go yeah, to sort of... strip clubs in Vegas for a bender for a month." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, even uh, like if Michael Jordan nowadays was playing golf as he did um, before games, like even that, like people would lose their mind in, this, in a social media era. You know, like, oh, my God, he's not committed to his craft. Like, they would lose, you know, it, yeah. people lose their minds over everything nowadays uh, with stuff like that. But, yeah, they would be absolutely pitchforks out for him, no doubt. <laughs> for sure. Yo, before we go, I got to tell you a couple of things. So, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but we were playing golf. Mm-hmm. And I got Soprano shamed because the new movie was coming out and I hadn't seen any of the uh, episodes of The Sopranos at all. So, I finished the series. I've only seen that first episode years ago. For some reason, I don't know why I liked it. I wasn't for, for whatever reason. I just never ended up continuing on. So uh, I'm assuming you're going to say that's uh, incredible. Yes, it is incredible. It's a great series. I still wouldn't put it past the wire or Breaking Bad, but definitely up there in the conversation. A um, couple other things that I, I I would mention to you. I know you're a big Line of Duty fan. Mm-hmm. Um, great show. I don't know if you know this. I think I texted it to you, but they're actually in the works to do a season seven. Oh, no, I did not. I don't think you did text me that, or if I did, I, I missed it or something. That's incredible. I haven't yes. seen season six yet. So uh, oh, oh, if you guys funny. haven't seen that show, uh, the, the listeners here, uh, it's on Netflix. I believe it still is. Uh, like, I think it's like maybe six episodes a season for now. Five seasons are, are, are on Netflix there, a British uh, cop show. It is absolutely remarkable, the show. So, so addictive. Unbelievable. Um, and for – I don't know why this happened, but the first five seasons are on Netflix – to get to season six, you've got to go to Amazon Prime. You have to subscribe to the sh- uh, free month of BritBox, and you'll get season six. And uh, I'm sure BritBox saw a spike in their uh, in their in their numbers after this because it's just an amazing show. Oh, so so that's uh, season seven's coming up. And then uh, in terms of Netflix watching, uh, finished a series called Midnight Mass. Never it's a horror it. movie. Same guys who did The Haunting of Hill House. Um, bizarre, bizarro world. Um, Anyways, check it out if you're looking for some weird stuff. That's pretty cool. And then uh, the other thing I want to tell you is that how good is the juxtaposition of uh, HBO Sunday Night, where they go with Succession first? I don't know if you've watched it. No, and but they, everyone loves that show. I've heard uh, great things. It's, it's just wild. And then it rolls into uh, your enthusiasm. So once you've got this high of power players and suits and just kind of megla uh, communications firm just – mega uh, business and then it just uh, turns over to uh to larry david doing his just regular thing just amazing amazing television for sunday night on hbo man. yeah no i i do have to get into into succession at some point usually i'm not as big of a uh, fan of the one hour shows like a full one hour mm-hmm. but line of duty is basically a full one hour mm-hmm. and those are so so spectacular so I'm sure I would love to get into that. Uh, yeah, about Curb, uh, yeah, before you go here. Uh, so three, uh, as of this recording, three episodes in. Uh, so have you liked this uh, 11th season uh, now, that's, uh, now that it's back? Yeah, I can't, I can't get enough of it. It's amazing. Um, they're just, <laughs> it's just such a Larry David show, man. It's just amazing. Everywhere he goes, he just wants to, like, start. Shoot. And it's just, he's just fun, man. It's such a good show. Yeah, I always uh, would tell people if uh, to different episodes, uh, to season six and forward is when Leon came onto the scene, and obviously he's <laughs> unbelievable of, of a character. 
uh, my favorite one ever was a vehicular fellatio. I believe that was actually, yeah, it was. That was his first episode he was ever in, I believe. Yeah, no, that's wrong, Hound Dog. And just so, so freaking funny, that episode. Palestinian Chicken is another awesome episode of Curb. So many good ones. But I would say, though, about the the, the last three seasons since he's come back after like a seven-year hiatus, I don't love as much the, it used to be like 30 minutes pretty much on the dot. Now it's like between like 36 to 42 minutes. I find the pacing is a, a, is not quite the super tight curb of, of old. So I feel like obviously I'm still enjoying the, the shows, but they're not quite that same pacing. And there's not as many like classic everything comes together at the end of episodes like there used to be. But maybe I'm just romanticizing it a bit in my, in my head, but... I've watched a lot of those old episodes, uh, older ones, and uh, it's not quite peak level curb, but it's still really, really good. The Cheryl thing's got him crazy. This Cheryl thing got him twisted, man, for real. He, he's a bit Moby, man. Moby Dick. That's what he is. Moby Dick. No, Moby Dick. No, no, it's called Moby Dick. Who f is Moby Dick? Moby Dick's the book by Melville. Where are you getting Dick. Moby Dick from? Moby Dick, man. Oh, yeah, His dick is moping. Oh, literally Moby Dick. Yeah, Moby okay. Dick. Well, I need to revisit those some of those old ones because I have. Um, I don't really recall all of them, but you're right though, because um, uh, as I PVR it, sometimes uh, HBO will just run an old episode of Curb from like way back, and it's tight. It's a 30 minute show, and it and it does it, it brings it all together. This one's a little more open ended, um, with some with some sort of closure to it, but I do think that you're right. That extra six minutes is for them to just work in another little part of the story, like a little another extra kind of dig at something or someone. So, um, no, it's a great observation on that, bro. There, it might just be because they can't get all the actors together because, as I said, they didn't have a show for six, seven years. So then it's hard to get them all together in the same room or whatever. So they have to do, do different scenes. But here's my bit that I've always wanted to have on Curb, and I really hope it happens this season. Uh, well, first of all, a couple of years ago, I had a bit, and then he took it. Of course, he absolutely stole it from me, which was the uh, accidental text on purpose, which I've always <laughs> thought was hilarious. Like, yeah, you text someone accidentally something you're actually texting them on purpose and then you get away with saying, oh it was an accident it was an accident thought that was I love funny that stuff. Yep. this is my bit that i've always thought they should have it on show and i hope he does it basically everyone is frustrated with having to change their passwords right they have to change it with an uh, uppercase lever and the numbers and explanation points and all sorts of nonsense and you always forget your passwords right it's so so frustrating mm -hmm. so i think that there that hopefully there's a bit in an episode where is, it's driving him crazy uh, him or Leon driving them crazy that they that they can't figure out their passwords because it's so annoying. And I thought Leon would be the perfect uh, one for this storyline because he's trying to log on to. Let's be honest, it's Leon. He's probably trying to log on to some, like some porn or something like that, but he can't because he's he's, he's forgotten his password. And it's, maybe it was always an auto uh, correct or uh, auto fill password. And now it doesn't work. And now he can't get onto this website. And Larry would be like, "Are you crazy? Like this stuff is free. What are you talking about? You don't you don't need to do that." And then Leon basically be like, no, man, this is like primetime stuff here, Larry. I need this password. And he's driving him crazy. I think that would be a perfect scene on that show. I really hope it happens. That's a really, really good one, man. Like thinking about just the quaint stuff that they, they, they come up in conversation. That would be amazing. So, And, and having Leon do it is, is incredible. I mean, the resurgence of the show, I think, when Leon became a regular, oh. it's just like it's, it's literally injecting life into – what was already a good franchise. Like it was like adding Kevin Durant to the Warriors after they won uh, after they lost the title. It's like, yeah, I like that. Good, That's a good analogy. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I can't get enough of him. Even even when he does little bits, he's just like just fires away, and it's just it, just the way he delivers it. Oh, it just makes me crack up all the time. So no, it's uh, obviously it's still again. It's almost like 
Curb Your Enthusiasm is still amazing, but it's almost you're you're up against the Tiger Woods from like the the 2000s, like Tiger Woods now or Fever to Play now versus back then. It's like it's never going to quite be that same level almost because you're up against yourself and yourself was amazing so long ago. It's it's almost mm-hmm. impossible to reach the heights that Curb reached a long time ago, but it's still a, a fantastic show. Well, this has been That's a fantastic a show as well, uh, Eric, uh, to tie <laughs> all that together, that, just like a Curb episode. Uh, yeah, that's been, uh, it's been brilliant. Yo, man, thank you very much. And, and let's do it again, man. Let's get on. Uh, I mean, check the numbers first. Yeah. The, the numbers that's... don't work. And, uh, you know, just break it to me. Uh, I appreciate the honesty and the candor of, uh, of the number of uh, podcast hits. So um, I'm all for it. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's been a blast uh, as always. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Appreciate it. That was a blast talking NFL and the NBA with my great friend Eric Rosales. We could have gone on forever, especially discussing Aaron Rodgers and the pile of doo-doo he stepped into in the last week. Rodgers is a special talent without question, but some of his comments were truly wild and baseless. And it always pains me when people say they don't love Curb Your Enthusiasm. I can't live in a world where somebody doesn't think it's... It just doesn't register to me, so I'm glad Eric loved it. You can watch any episode at any time. You don't need to start from the beginning to be entertained. You can find Eric's work at sportsbettingdime.com, and he's on social media at ericrosales77 on Twitter, and eric underscore writes underscore sports on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to episode 75 of the H-Dog Pod. Man. This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Bang. 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 If I see something online, uh, like say someone sends me a video, uh, yeah. and it's like more than, I would almost even say, I would say the cutoff might even be two minutes max, maybe oh 130, where I'm just like, eh, you know what I mean? Like, you, so. like, to be totally honest, you send me a, if you send me a two-minute video, it better be the greatest video ever on earth or I'll be like offended. Like I'll be like, what does he think? I just got time to watch two minute videos or whatever. It's so true. There's always one turd that always suggests, Oh yeah, put on this one. And it's like an 11 minute video. And I'm like, what are you doing? man? Oh, like, that's so brutal. A, it is. It's like, we're talking quick hitters here, man. Like quick, fast finds. Right. But I don't know. It's just, it's crazy when people do that. Cause I'm like, what do you think? Do you think we all actually care what you do for 11 minutes? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, way too long.